Hey, Cracked fans. With the summer months just around the corner, we know all of you are beginning to think about how you can best maximize your chances to improve your game with the warm weather. Well, thankfully, we here at Cracked Rackets are so excited to tell all of you about the 254 Tennis Camp happening this summer at Baylor University. Now, over the course of three weeks in June, starting June 12th through the 16th and ending June 26th through the 30th, you'll have the opportunity to learn from from some of the best coaches in the business in an all-encompassing tennis experience. You'll have the opportunity to improve each and every part of your game, whether that be on the singles court, whether that be on the doubles court, through drilling, through point play, match play as well. You'll also, of course, receive a free t-shirt for participating in the camp, but also have the chance to see yourself broadcasted as our Crack Rackets team will be providing coverage of the final day each week at this 254 tennis camp. Again, you'll have the opportunity to learn from some of the best coaches in the business. I promise Coach Michael Woodson and the Baylor team going to make it an extraordinarily enjoyable time. How can you get signed up today? Well, you can learn more information by visiting the Baylor website by going to baylor.edu slash athletics slash tennis camp. Again, that's baylor.edu slash athletics slash tennis camp to sign up today. Now, this camp open to any and all entrants, but limited only by age, number, grade level, and or gender. Again, you can learn more about this camp by going to baylor.edu slash athletics slash tennis camp today. Don't miss out, folks. Going to be three very exciting, fun weeks of tennis down at Baylor University. Be sure to sign up for the 254 Tennis Camp happening at Baylor today. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, June 8th. We had rain in some places, tennis in others. That weather, unfortunately, going to be the cloud that hangs over today's mini break episode. Of course, the rain I'm alluding to disrupting the play in the Netherlands. Didn't get to see any of the ATP or WTA matches scheduled at that event unfold. Unfortunately, rain also hit later in the day in Stuttgart. Now, we got three matches on and off the court. I'll talk about those results on today's show. Unfortunately, that was it. And while we had many of the top seeds, Stefano Tsitsipas, Daniil Medvedev, getting ready to begin their tournament, they will now begin play tomorrow. Certainly, there will be some chaos down the home stretch in Stuttgart. Fortunately, and perhaps rarely, there was no rain in England. And how frequently do we see these grass court events disrupted by the mucky early June weather we see unfold across the pond here from the United States. Thankfully, we got to see a full slate of matches unfold today in Nottingham on the women's side. Certainly, there were some ATP Challenger matches in Nottingham on the men's side as well, and we can talk about all of that on today's show. But of course, with the ATP and WTA tour level play being disrupted with the Challenger in Orlando being disrupted by weather as well, that offers me the perfect opportunity on today's 
today's show to do something a bit ahead of schedule, but nevertheless, something you listeners should come to expect over the next few months. And as you Crack Rackets fans know, something we adore most here in our on this show and at Crack Rackets at large is, of course, the collegiate tennis level. We love seeing these players have the opportunity to compete in the team format, the energy, the inspiration, the level of play that seems to draw out of each and every one of these players. Of course, as these players go from the collegiate level to the pros, we like to monitor their progress here at Crack Rackets as well as they are a testament to the pathway that is college tennis. Uh, fortunately for all of us college tennis fans, while the team season, individual season may have ended in May, we get to see so many of the top players in the country, so many of the young aspiring stars as well take the time in the summer to go out and compete on the pro circuit. And thankfully, with things relatively slowing down with the pandemic, I say that very hesitantly, but we do see the emergence of more ITF events, more stateside events here in the United States that are providing opportunities for these high-level players to compete. Of course, we here at Crack Rackets so fortunate to be able to partner with the SoCal Pro Series, a series of six events happening over the course of seven weeks in both the San Diego and Los Angeles area. We will have coverage of the semifinals and finals of each and every one of those six SoCal Pro Series uh, events on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. That coverage again every Saturday, every Sunday over the next six weeks. If you want to go catch up on week one, you can go watch the replays of both uh, August Holmgren, Maria Kazireva of San Diego, St. Mary's respectively, capturing titles on the weekend for Kazireva. It was in doubles. She was knocked out by 17-year-old Talia Gibson in the singles final for August Holmgren. Comes right from the NCAA singles final, sweeps ITF titles, his first professional singles title, a third, I believe, professional doubles title for Holmgren. And that's right after he completed his final season of collegiate tennis. So again, these players coming right from the collegiate levels, having success on the pro tour right away. We have the opportunity to monitor that success this summer, and that's something we're going to be doing more of over the next few months. Now, normally I'll try to have Chris Hallioris here with me as his website, collegetennisranks.com, keeps track of the progress of every collegiate, uh, every player on the pro tour with collegiate ties, excuse me, competing out on the pro circuit. But again, with the rain today disrupting the ATP WTA tour level events, I want to talk about the draws happening and unfolding on the men's and women's side in San Diego. We also have another 25K men's event in East Lansing. Draws just filled with players with college tennis ties. And so I want to break down what you should be watching, who you should be watching for, and what skill sets they all have that will allow them perhaps to have pro success immediately on the pro tour. Of course, when you're competing against your fellow collegiate athletes, as so many of these players are in the stateside ITF events, those sort of facts matters matter as well. If you are a player having a bunch of success at the collegiate level, you're now in a field of pretty much entirely collegiate players. You are probably a player we should circle to have success at this week's event. So again, I want to break down the ITF draws for the men and women in San Diego, talk about the 25K men's draw in East Lansing as well. Will be a shorter episode today. Now, does that mean 40, 45 minutes? Maybe, but that is on the shorter side, given how these mini break podcasts 
tend to have so much to cover on any individual show. But again, with the rain across in Europe, with the rain in Orlando, we'll keep today on the shorter side. Just talk about the results we did see unfold in Europe and talk about what you should be watching here this week uh, in the stateside ITF Pro events. Of course, the reason we're able to do this day in, day out here on this mini break podcast is because of the support we get from all of you listeners. And we sincerely hope all of you will choose to stick with us as we have this month sprint between the end of Roland Garros, the start of Wimbledon, of course, four weeks until the start of the next major, still so much high-level tennis to unfold. And of course, with there being no points at Wimbledon, I discussed this yesterday, we should expect to see many of the top players in the world competing in these Wimbledon warm-up events, not only to get some grass court tennis matches under their belt, but of course, to pick up the points that Wimbledon is no longer are offering to further solidify their places in the ATP and WTA Tour hierarchy. So again, a ton of great tennis coming up over the next few months. Of course, we're so happy to be able to broadcast some of it on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel, but we'll cover it all here on this mini break podcast on our Great Shot podcast. Have some very fun guests coming up both tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern time, press conference on our Crack Rackets YouTube feed. It is the biggest interview we have done to date. You will not want to miss that, of course. That will go out as a Cracked Interviews podcast the next day as well. Have a couple of other really fun guests lined up for that show. Great shot podcast. We'll get rocking and rolling. We'll get back to doing the things we love, talking tears and so much more. We've got you covered here at Cracked Rackets. As we know, it's our job to provide you with the sort of content you deserve, keep you the most informed, well-educated fans in the business. Again, uh, appreciate all of your continued support. Of course, we also appreciate the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point who have been with us since the beginning and, again, have been providing tennis players across the globe with the best equipment at the lowest prices. I mentioned this on yesterday's show. I'm in the market for a new racket. If you have any suggestions for me, make your case. Tweet at me, at A.L. Gruskin. I'll tell you this. I'm looking for two sorts of cases. If you want to make a statistical case, a serious case for the sort of racket I should switch to, of course I would be happy to read that. If you have a funny case to make, maybe you think there's a racket that fits my podcasting personality or any sort of suggestion you may have, I will be open to them. If they are funny, I will read them on this show. So again, at A.L. Gruskin for any of you with any suggestions or you're looking to kill 15 minutes later on tonight. And so you feel like, yeah, let me write a quick joke for Alex to use as material on the show. I know I always appreciate getting material from others. Shout out to John Parsons. He knows what that means. But again, with all of that said, a huge thank you to our friends at Tennis Point for their continued support. If you, and you deserve it, but if you know it's time to update your equipment, go to tennis-point.com today. They'll have everything you're looking for. When you do check out, use our promo code CR15. Not only will it let them know we sent you there, you'll get 15% off all sale items, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls, tennis-point, symbol, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all of that said, again, going to start with the matches we did see unfold at the ATP and WTA Tour level. On the women's side, we got a full day of play from the action we see unfolding this week in Nottingham. Of course, it is an adjustment for all of us. 
to reacclimate ourselves to what grass tennis is. Of course, it is so much more difficult to change direction as a mover on the grass courts. If you are able to play first strike, if you are able to dictate the terms of engagement, the direction of each point you are playing on a grass court, simply put, you are going to have more success than a player who is more reliant on their physicality, on extending rallies, on forcing you to make that extra ball because it's that much harder to make that extra ball on the slick surface that is grass. Of course, that bounce is going to be a little bit lower. It's going to feel like every ball you're hitting is dead. I've only played on grass courts once in my life. It was fun given the circumstances of who I was with and obviously to be playing on a grass court. There's a local club in Pontiac, Michigan, about 15 minutes from my house. I believe it's still open. I hope it's still open. Uh, That opened up as a grass court club, and they played a futures event there pre-COVID. Maybe it was the summer of 2020, if not the summer – not the summer of 2020, excuse me, the summer of 2019 or the fall of 2019 right before – the pandemic hit uh, the U.S. Men's Grass Court Championships, I want to say it was called, or something like that. Uh, it was a beautiful club, and it was a fantastic opportunity to get to play on those courts, and I got to play with some buddies, play with my former coach, Ed Nagel. Uh, it was a fun experience. It was miserable tennis. No one was good on the courts. Everyone was having difficulty moving. You're not playing 10, 15, 20-shot physical rallies. It's pretty quick first-strike tennis. I will say for me personally, when I go on court, I'm trying to get a workout in. I'm trying to get a sweat. And shout-out to Dalton Thieneman. We grinded yesterday for about an hour and a half, two hours. Haven't gotten a good hit session like that in a while. I also don't think I can raise my right leg more than two inches off of the ground. That's a discussion for a different time. The point being, you do have to reacclimate yourself to the tennis that we are seeing, those players that are able to play play first strike, able to have more success than the alternative. And certainly that's why it's not shocking to me to see some of the players who had success today in Nottingham. We saw a seed go down, number eight seed Magda Lynette, who of course, fantastic victory for her at the French Open. She's knocked out uh, by Martin Sova, 6-2-7-6. And I mean, look, it was difficult for Lynette to find opportunities to play first strike tennis in this match. You look for Magda to Lynette, despite the fact that in the match she ultimately, I believe, goes on to make, uh, uh, or excuse me, in this match, and this is where it started, she makes only 54.2% of her first serves. You look for, uh, again, uh, she dropped three of the five break points she faced, was struggling as a returner as well, and credit to Martin Sova, who does have that sort of first serve pop and who can get after her first strike when she's hitting her spots on serve. And, you know, again, that was the theme for her today. And credit to Martin Sova in her first round match, wins 84% of her first serve points against uh, Ocean Doden, 74% of them against Magdalena. She fights off one of the two break points she faced. Do you look for Martin Sova currently at number 60? Is the 27-year-old, but, you know, has floated in that 40 to 60 range for a while. Difficulties for her as a returner of serve, but on a surface like this that amplifies the strength of her first serve, her willingness to move forward, her willingness to be aggressive. Again, she was just the aggressor. She dictated the terms of play in this match. I thought Lynette really struggled to find ways outside of landing her first serve and, you know, again, hitting to the open court or hitting behind Martin Sova, the typical 
grass court plus one patterns, it was difficult for Lynette to get into her bag of tricks to extend rallies. And it just felt like Martin Sova was on her front foot from the start in this one. So again, in the end, Martin Sova able to advance. You look for Martin Sova, her career uh, success on the grass court. She's been, I would say, pretty solid on the surface 21 and 18 in her career 8 and 2 in her last 52 of course last week uh, last week excuse me last year reached the third round of Wimbledon knocked out Ali Risk in three sets before ultimately bowing out to finalist Karolina Pliskova in the third round she made quarterfinals Birmingham last year knocked out a very much in form Yelena Ostapenko before losing in three sets to Daria Kasatkina you know the year before uh, she also made quarterfinals in Nottingham last season now there's a lot of qualifying results for her on grass courts before that 2021 season, but a lot of qualifying success. She qualified for Wimbledon back in 2019, qualified for Mallorca 2019, qualified in the Netherlands 2018, qualified for Nottingham 2017. Grass courts are a surface where the big hitting check has had success. And so she's just a name. I'm not saying she's going to make a quarterfinal run, you know, but round of 16, third round, could she upset a seed, especially as we've talked about the, before, these young players who, given the lack of a grass court season in 2020, they just, you know, don't have a lot of repetitions under their belt in terms of grass court tennis. And you look right now in terms of players under the age of 22 inside the top 20, you know, there are five players inside. I'm going to throw Anissa Mova in there because she's 25 in the world, but feels like a threat. There are five top 25 players right now under the age of 22 who just have not had a lot of grass court repetitions under their belt. Yeah, Iga Swiatek, Leila Fernandez, Amanda Nisimova, they all played the you know they all played the junior circuit and certainly got some reps at Junior Wimbledon. But let's just take someone like an Iga Swiatek, for instance, who obviously unequivocal world number one right now. I think just by default, given she's won 35 consecutive matches, she's your favorite entering the 2022 Wimbledon. That said, Iga Svantec, I want you to take a moment, say out loud in the car, and we're going to include qualifying. How many matches do you think Iga Svantec at the WTA level has played in her career? Again, I'll give you a second. Think out loud. Focus on, you know, focus. You can do this. You are the most well-educated, best-informed fans in the business. Okay, I'll shut up and give you the answer. It's 12. She's played 12 total matches. And shout out to all of you because I do feel like 70% of you in your cards right now. And yes, 30% of you got it wrong. And you know, Price is Right rules here on the Mini Break Podcast. You go over, you're disqualified. But I bet a lot of you were thinking around that 10 number. And she's played 12, 7 and 5 in her career uh, in grass court matches. Now, of course, reached the fourth round of Wimbledon last year, three-set loss to Own Jabour, no shame in that, loss to Ksatkina, three sets in Eastbourne as well. I don't think there's any shame in that result either. Ksatkina went on to make the finals of that Eastbourne event. Point being, there are a plethora of players who will be highly seeded, and there will be a plethora of players, by the way, who are just simply not in the tournament, given the bans imposed by Wimbledon this season, i.e. no Arena Sabalenka, i.e. no Daria Kasatkina, I believe. And, you know, again, there are other players out with injuries. No Ludmilla Samsonova. Uh, no, you know, I can go through the list and just start reading who is Russian and who is not. Veronica Kudermatova is out. Alexandrova is out. There's a plethora of players who will be out. As such, there will just be openings, as there always are uh, in every Grand Slam, it feels, of late on 
the WTA Tour, which is, by the way, why it is so exciting, because parody is the name of the game. Martin Sova's a name to watch out for. That's a full circle way of saying, you know, again, keep an eye on Teresa Martin Sova, who's getting the momentum going early, a 2-6 and six victory for her. Over Magda Lynette, you look at the rest of the day's results. Fairly straightforward. Only four matches on the board. Camilla Georgie, Harriet Dart ultimately suspended as they headed towards a third set. Not due to rain, but due to lack of lightness. Lightness, is that how you say that? The lack of light? Uh currently in Nottingham at the time. The two results we did see complete, uh, completed Zhang Shui, uh, ultimately the number four seed, 6276 victory over Jody Baraj. I mean, again, fairly straightforward match. Uh, you know, uh, I thought for Victoria Golubic, a 7-5-6-2 victory over Heather Watson. Golubic round of 16, I believe, at Wimbledon last year. Actually may have been quarterfinals. Let me look that up because that, again, you're looking at players who are going to be right in that strike zone. Golubic, yes, she turns 30 years old this October. That's prime of your career, folks. Right now, 55 in the rankings. Last season, quarterfinals. I thought it was quarterfinals. Beat Keys, beat Kudermatova, beat Brangle, beat, uh, again, Collins, she's an American killer at last year's Wimbledon, was a quarterfinalist, ultimately knocked out by Karolina Pliskova. Now, of course, she's going to lose those quarterfinal points, depending on what the WTA decides to do. But quarterfinalist last year in Eastbourne, obviously, will have those points to defend in a couple of weeks, looking to put points on her board to just keep you know, her resume up because she's 25 and uh, keep her ranking up. She's 25 and 25 over her last 52. She struggled, and those quarterfinal points are coming off the board. So this is a, you know, a desperate and urgent Victoria Golubic, who obviously beneficiary is the wrong word, advances in her first round match given the Emma Raducanu injury. And now she follows that up with a straight set victory over Heather Watson. This is a good tournament for Victoria Golubic. She's into the quarterfinals. She made the quarterfinals in Strasbourg prior to Roland Garros. But Melbourne won this season. Strasbourg, Nottingham. Those are the only three quarterfinals she's made since Wimbledon last season. So again, if you want to keep a top 50 ranking, obviously 25 and 25 is not going to do the trick to get back to the quarterfinals. Big deal for her as she advances again, five and two over Heather Watson. Now again, big picture. You look at this draw. Players still remaining. Alia Tomjanovic going to take on Katie Bolter. Tomjanovic, the number five seed. Certainly we've seen her make a second week at Wimbledon as well. Keeps the ball low, moves well on this surface. She's interesting. If Allie Risk is playing well with how low and flat she hits the ball, of course, she's taken on the always dangerous Caroline Garcia, who was a top 15 player, has fallen off certainly, but has had success on this surface, can play aggressive first strike tennis. That said, all of these names, Jung Shui and Beatrice Haddad Maya, the clear-cut favorite, and Tennis Abstract doesn't say so. Tennis Abstract has Maria Sakari, a 20.2% favorite. Georgie, 17%. Risk, 133 Martin Sova, 107 Everyone's within the margin of Maria Sakari. If Sakari wants to be considered an unequivocal top five contender at Wimbledon or a top three sort of contender at Wimbledon, go win this event. You're the best player in the field. You you know, again, straight set victory for Sakari, as I discussed on yesterday's show. This draw is wide open for her. And if she is to be considered a top five threat going into this Wimbledon, I want to see her win this event. And I'm not saying she won't be if she doesn't win the event. You know, she could have an extraordinarily strong showing and someone could play just a really strong match, let's say, in the final, coming out with all this momentum in the bottom half. Certainly, Allie Risk, given her pedigree on grass courts, more than capable of knocking out a Sakari. 
That said, I just I again I want to see this from Maria. Draw is wide open for her. That race to be the number two player in the world wide open. Let's see a move made that WTA draw in Nottingham wide open. But again, that's where things stand. And if you're looking at the best matchups of the round of 16, I mean. Risk Garcia, eh, Risk Garcia, and then Tomjanovic Bolter, maybe. Like, I, I guess by percentages, it's Tomjanovic Bolter, but I think this tournament's going to heat up as things carry along. With that said, that's the matches we saw unfold in Nottingham. Let's move on to the three matches we saw unfold in Stuttgart. And again, we'll go through these rather quickly. Good for Matteo Berrettini. 6-2-4-6-6-3 win to get back on court. His first match he's played since Indian Wells back in March. Now, you know, Berrettini came out storming from the start and was on fire with the first serve and you know again won 81 percent of his first serve points in general fought off three of the four break points he faced he was sloppy on the return he was sloppy with his plus one movement and I think the most difficult part for any tennis player after a long layoff and I know I speak about these things as if I have the experience of a professional tennis player I don't I played a lot of tennis growing up i not going to give out my credentials. I think longtime listeners of this podcast are sick of hearing what I did in my nascent and unimpressive tennis career. It was nascent the right word there. I don't know. Dad, text me after if I'm right or wrong. Um, non-existent is probably the term I was looking for. Anyways, the most difficult part after any sort of layoff, whether it was two weeks, and I tried to never take more than two weeks off because I was not the most natural athlete I had to keep my repetitions up to keep myself in form. But, you know, nowadays you go back on the court and your first step is just a nightmare. And again, the timing of, okay, now I've hit the serve, but wait, the return's already back at my feet and I need to do what with it? Now it's a little bit different for Matteo Berrettini uh, because with his first serve, it's easy plus one opportunities. And again, the in-rhythm Berrettini looked like a top five threat to win Wimbledon. I mean, obviously finalist last year, his serve, his first forehand, his willingness to move forward. But again, he struggled on the return of serve against Radu Elbot, who I don't think we know as a serve bot, Radu Elbot career, 72.4% hold percentage at the ATP level. That would be a bottom five number amongst top 50 players. You know, Elbot won 79% of his first serve points and made 70% of his first serves. He kept things very simple. First strike, get Berrettini stretched, hit behind him, attack that backhand return, and he had success. Now, credit to Berrettini, Elbot won 30% of his second serve points. And anytime Berrettini got to look at a second serve, as he does when he's at his best, he found forehands. And I think that's the most important thing is the best of Berrettini still looked like his best. Now, of course, again, the backhand return was a bit rusty. There are things he needs to work on, but as long as that serve is the foundation of his success, yeah, give him a month. He'll be just fine. Heading into Wimbledon again for match number one. I know the score, 6-2-4-6-6-3, looks a bit questionable, but was only broken once throughout the course of the match. And, you know, again, gets the breaks he needs in set number one, in set number three, and was able to, I think, physically look fine. You know, again, was he three quarters of a second slow to the naked eye? Maybe. Like, yeah, but you're allowed that after a two-month layoff. And so I thought that was good news if you're a Berrettini fan moving forward. He advances. You had Nicolas Basilashvili coming back out on court to finish off his straight-set victory of Lorenzo Musetti. 
I mean, the heaviness of that Basilisk Feely ball. If he connects with the plus one shot, you're just in trouble because it's really hard to change direction on a grass court. Musetti's forehand just sitting up way too short in the court. Basilisk Feely was able to dictate. And then credit to Benjamin Bolzi was down love 40 in a two-all service game against Arthur Rinderknecht. Comes up with a big backhand pass on the love 40 point, able to find first serves the rest of the way. Gets to a breaker, 7-6 first set. And then, look, Rinderknecht began to spray towards the end of that second set. Now Rinderknecht won a challenger title last week, played and won his first round match here this week. You could tell his legs were dead at the end of that match. I'm not writing that off as an excuse. I am just saying context being key. Don't look at this result and say, oh, that's a bad loss for Rinder Kanesh. That was not a bad loss for Rinder Kanesh. That was a schedule loss for Rinder Kanesh, which again, still gets the first round win under his belt. Not only do you collect that prize check, you collect those points, baby, which are immensely valuable given the lack of Wimbledon. Of course, with that in mind, I think you could argue every player in the top half of the draw would be the favorite to advance out of the bottom half of the draw. You look at the matchups we have in the round of 16. Juice everywhere in Stuttgart. You've got Stefano Tsitsipas, number one seed, taking on a qualifier on paper. You think, oh, okay, it should be easy, right? I don't know. 19-year-old Dom Stricker, A, lefty, never a good thing when you've got a one-handed backhand, B, power tennis, quarterfinalist last year at the ATP level on grass. I'm telling you, up, set, alert. If I'm taking the spread, I'm taking Stricker in the game. So plus five and a half, six and a half, whatever they are, that match is up, set, alert. When I'm wrong tomorrow at AL Gruskin, you know where to find me. I Nothing I enjoy more than being called out for a bad take. But if that, that match is going to be closer than three and three. Like, I'm just saying, keep an eye out for that one. If you can get six and a half games, which there's no way you can get, but if you can get six and a half games, take it five and a half games, I'd even take that as well because that's a one break of serve. If, if at worst, tiebreakers, take that, take that right now. Uh, that's your ace of the day here at Cracked Rackets. Please don't be wrong. Dom Stricker, I, I know you went three sets you had the day off today. Please deliver me the goods. I mean, but look, like that might not even be your best match. Murray Bublik, great contrast of styles. Sasha Bublik is entertaining to watch. Nick Kyrgios with worse press, as we've called him before, versus a Murray who is must-watch every time he's out on court. Murray Bublik, fun. Herkots Fucevic, welcome to the 2020s. 6-6 is the name of the game. And then Kyrgios Basilashvili. Again, I could argue all of those players would be favored over a Bonzi, over an Ota, over a first match on grass, Denis Shapovalov, over a Sanego, a Struff, a first tournament back Berrettini. I mean, Berrettini is the obvious argument where you're saying, Alex, you're stupid. And I get that. Maybe you feel confident that he'll be back into form by the end of this week. But there are a lot of players on the top half of the draw. And in general, again, this draw in Stuttgart absolutely loaded all these players trying to get matches under their belt before Wimbledon, trying to put some points on their resume. That's the last time I'll say that on this podcast, other than in reference to these college players now turning pros and trying to build their rankings moving forward. But again, only three matches in Stuttgart. Rain wiping away the rest of the day still. I mean, again, Tsitsipas Stricker. Murray Bublik, 2-1 head-to-head advantage for Murray. Hercats Fucevic, Fucevic, 2-0 against Hubi in his career. Kyrgios Baslashvili, Ota Shapovalov, Sinego Struf. Yeah, it's going to be a fun day of action over in Stuttgart. With that in mind, let's move over now to the stateside events happening on the ITF Pro Circuit. And 
Again, our Cracked Rackets team so excited to be a part of the SoCal Pro Circuit, a series of six ITF tournaments happening over seven weeks in Southern California. Of course, week number one already in the books. Again, Talia Gibson, August Holmgren capturing the singles titles. Uh, Holmgren sweeping the titles, actually, as he ultimately wins in singles and doubles. Let's talk about the events we have this week, and we'll start on the women's side. You look at the number one seeded name, probably going to be familiar to a lot of you, Rackets fans. Jessica Fela, who of course used to be the number two singles player for Pepperdine. Her, Ashley Leahy, the top two of that 2021 Pepperdine team uh, that ultimately goes on to make the NCAA finals. You look for Fela, currently 473 according to Tennis Abstract, but I looked in the live rankings and I believe I found her a bit lower than that. Fela currently 521 in the live rankings. Uh, that's because she just had a big chunk of points come off her resume, but you look for Fela, 28-18 in her last 52 weeks. She's had success making a couple quarterfinal, semifinal runs at the 15K, 25K level. But of course, if you want to start playing those 25Ks and start getting into 60Ks, 100K events, those higher level events, which offer higher levels of points, you know, this is the sort of opportunity for Fela playing a bunch of younger you know, for, uh, former or current collegiate players or rising junior players. She's got a little bit more experience than them, obviously can match all of their talent as well. These five, next five, six weeks, five events, the perfect opportunity for Fela to perhaps make a, you know, you look for Fela in her last 52 weeks again, 28 uh, and 18. She's made three different semifinals. She's 0-3 in those three semifinals. But again, over the next five weeks, she will be a, a consider not considerable but she will be one of the favorites and to think can she make you know in the next five weeks at least one semifinal maybe even two snuck in there absolutely with the field of players and given her pedigree of success you feel pretty good about Jessica Fela who of course a 6-2-6 love victory for the number one seed she's now going to take on former Oklahoma State standout Megan McRae in round number two and she wins that match she's into the quarterfinals and again for Jessica Fela I mentioned the three uh, semifinals five total quarterfinals for her as well I think she could if she plays the next five weeks I would expect three more quarterfinals on her resume as well. You look for Fela, who, of course, is looking to play the 25K, 50K events, 60Ks, get those higher levels of points. And, you know, being around that top 500, she's right around the range to be able to do so. But this is the perfect opportunity, again, on the University of San Diego uh, courts to rack up uh, some points and, you know, again, show the progression she's made. 6-2-6 love victory. Now she's going to take on former Oklahoma State standout Megan McRae. Of course, shout out to McGordon. Midori Castillo-Meza, the former blue-chip recruit, I believe now finished freshman at the University of Arizona, knocking out the number seven seed, 6-3-6-1. She awaits the winner of Sao and Katie Codd. I mean, again, looking down the draw further names that'll be near and dear to some of our Cracked Rackets listeners. Catherine Hui, the Princeton commit, currently number 34 nationally, according to TennisRecruiting.net. Hui, the 7-5-7-6 victory to get some pro points on on her resume now she's going to take on a friend of the is it fair to call her a friend of the program i won't lie i see the twitter likes sorry this might be weird 
But I see the Twitter likes. I consider her a friend in Daria Kutzer, who, of course, again, 6363 victory. Hopefully she hears this. Someone shares this with her. We're rooting for her here. She has always been tremendously kind to us here at Cracked Rackets. And obviously we're rooting for all players with college tennis ties. But Kutzer, again, straight set victory. She's going to take on the Princeton commit in Hui. You look elsewhere. Kyle McPhillips, former UCLA standout, 0-1 winner. Now she's going to take on the winner of Young and Mohammed. You look elsewhere down the line. You know, fun matchup between future Pepperdine star. I think we can say All-American Bunyawe Tim Chaiwad. Uh, she's taking on San Diego's Salomar Colling. You know, Sabina Zanolova, the Texas freshman standout. Three-set victory over uh, over Corley to advance to the second round. Obviously, Zanolova at Texas, given Peyton Stearns announcing she's turning pro. Certainly, where is Zanolova going to play in the lineup next season? She's one of those freshmen going into her sophomore years who you watch to absolutely pop uh, next season. And again, Vicky Hu into the second round. She's obviously just finished her freshman year at Princeton. Kimmy Hance, one of the best parts of the UCLA women's team last season. She earns a three-set victory over Cal standout Katya Weirsholm in round one. Now she's going to take on former North Carolina standout McKenna Jones. I mean, again, up and down the lineup. Everywhere you look, Maria Kazireva, of course, a finalist last week. She's the number four seed. She'll begin her tournament either later today or, you know, I'm recording this 6.54 p.m., which means it's about 4 p.m. on the West Coast. She's either playing today or tomorrow, folks, probably later today. It's a loaded draw with plenty of players with college tennis ties. And again, it's almost an NCAA individual singles draw. If you enjoy that sort of action, go follow all the action which you can watch, excuse me, prior to the semifinals and finals on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. You can find all the early round action on the USTA SoCal website. Shout out to our friends at Track Tennis. It's far too difficult to watch the majority of ITF action. Shout out to our friends at Track Tennis. Shout out to the team at the USTA SoCal team, excuse me, uh, for making this sort of tennis available to all of us. Again, that's your women's action. Men's draw equally loaded in last week's finalist Gage Brimer, number one seed this week, certainly looking to re-enter the top 500. You look for Brimer right now, again, coming off of that final. Did he get back into the top 500? Let's see. Gage Brimer currently, no, on the precipice of that top one. Uh, No, he is back in it. Shout out to Gage Brimer. 484, uh, back inside the top 500. Career highs 440. 44, another good week this season. He can pass a good week or, again, he's another guy. Next five weeks, if he can make two more, three more quarterfinals, he's probably back into the top uh, 400 or, excuse me, into the top 400 for the first time in his career. And now he can go play some of those challenger events, take some bigger swings. A, it's just great to see Gage healthy, but B, follows up last week's final three-set victory. He's now going to play rising uh, senior in high school and probably Probably the most notable recruit still available for college teams in the 2023 class, I believe, in Kyle Kang. Kang, a 5-1 victory in round number one again. That's a fascinating matchup. Brimer, who was that top recruit, who was the hot commodity, uh, not to say he's not obviously still a top pro now, but he was Kyle Kang once upon a time. And Kang, obviously, being a SoCal kid, we all know the people who preceded us. I'm sure Kang well aware of Gage Brimer. I'm sure they have hit once or twice in their careers. And so, again, that's a fascinating second-round matchup. You have Kareem Al-Alaf, three-set victory for him uh, over Connor Farron. Of course, Al-Alaf coming off of a fantastic Iowa career. I 
I think he's got one more year left. I forget where he's playing it, but that's a fun one. Nate Pond with Arizona State versus Ben Seguin, UNC. I mean, again, Ryan Siegerman going from Princeton to UNC. He gets a straight set victory over now redshirt freshman Jack Anthrop. He's going to play former UCF player Calvin Boyd. I mean, that's a fun one. Boyton potentially going to take on August Holmgren in round two. Now, Boyton's got to beat Alexander Petrov of Illinois first, but Holmgren follows up last week's title with a first-round victory over Jacob Brum. August Holmgren with his serve with his forehand. He's going to be in the top 400 in the next year. It's just a question of how long he takes until he gets to compete at that challenger level and then we get to see how his weapons get stressed against players who can match that firepower match that physicality you know prevent him from finding forehands as easily as he does right now Holmgren plays at a top 400 level and so does Boyton that's going to be a really exciting match that it happens. Sorry for writing you off, Alexander Petrov. I don't mean to. Fun win. You know, Siam Waldeep, 3-6 and six over Teddy Parallax, a little Texas over T- uh, over Baylor, excuse me. Uh, shot there. Straight sets for Waldeep. He's now going to take on former Florida All-American Duarte Valle, who's pretty close to that top 500 despite just finishing college. Of course, you've also got players like, again, Max Basing, the now rising sophomore at Stanford. Really loaded field in San Diego. We're excited to cover it all here. Uh, the semifinals and finals, of course, this weekend on our Crack Rackets broadcast. And then got to give a shout out to the 25K in East Lansing. Certainly, you look at the draw. Noah Rubin, your number one seed, former top 200 player in the world to get him at a 25K event. If you're in, you know, again, if I was back in Michigan, I would be in East Lansing this week watching that action unfold. And certainly, you know, Cleve Harper coming off of an NCAA doubles champ, uh, title. He's in the singles draw here. He's going to take on arguably the hottest player of the NCAA tournament in Kentucky All-American Gabe Diallo, Felix Corwin, going to take on rising Michigan junior Jacob Bickerstaff, two Kentucky teammates going to do battle, Taha Body, Liam Draxel, you've got former Ohio State All-American John McNally taking on another Kentucky player, Joshua Lapidot, Andreas Martin, the standout for Georgia Tech, taking on former Florida standout Senku Bengora, Shinsuke Mitsui, now rising sophomore superstar freshman, taking on former Baylor standout Roy Smith, Noah Schachter, taking on Naoki Nakagawa. That's a little IMG. Saddlebrook, inner Florida battle as well. A lot of good tennis across the board, folks. And again, I know the rain delay allowed us to be distracted to watch things like the ITF action in San Diego. And I know Nottingham, Stuttgart, Netherlands, all picking back up tomorrow. The point being, there are plenty of options in the non-Grand Slam times to keep yourself occupied and to thoroughly enjoy yourself. As a tennis fan, of course, we here at Cracked Rackets going to try and cover all of it over the next few weeks. Eventually, we'll start getting you prepared for Wimbledon as well. But of course, for all of your daily coverage, tune into our website, Cracked Rackets like rate subscribe review uh this show great shot podcast correct interviews podcast it helps us with the computer so always appreciate that do appreciate the five star reviews yes you can leave a non-five star but don't go through the effort if you want to leave a non-five star it's only worth the effort if you're leaving a five-star review trust me uh with all of that said of course a shout out as always to our super producer daniel westoff for the of an editing job he does day in day out shout out as well to our friends at tennis point tennis point.com the promo code is CR15, 40 minutes on the dot, folks. Like I said, shorter mini break episode today, but of course, we will be back tomorrow to cover all of the action with all of that said for our super producer, Danny Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.